Hello and welcome to Take 18 in our episode number five. Wow, we are just moving along here. We are a podcast where we just love to talk about movies. Um, And that's basically just because we love movies. This show is produced by the Central Coast Film Society. My name is Daniel Lair, and I am the executive director and founder of the Central Coast Film Society. So it is great that you are tuning in. I am so happy to have you guys here with us. And uh, we got a great episode. I mean, <laughs> it's just kind of weird. We're just moving along and uh, so much great stuff happening all the time. And I'm so excited that you guys are here for the very first part of it. So today we are going to be having a sit down with local filmmaker. Uh, he's also the newest member of our uh, Central Coast Film Society board, Kyle Plummer. And uh, we're just going to have a nice chat about movies. But of course, before we get into anything else, we want to just make sure um, to let you know that you can please just subscribe to our podcast and find out when every episode is going to be coming out and that way you can catch up on the old episodes or you can try and uh, find out when our new ones are coming out and of course we're going to try and get these out about once a week so that way you guys have always got something to listen to that way you're kind of up to speed on all the uh, current movie news and uh, of course you'll get my take on that as well so thank you so much and now let's dive into movie news So there were four new films that opened over this past President's Day weekend, with Sonic the Hedgehog quickly becoming the number one spot there, uh, brought in about $58 million, breaking the opening for any video game adaptation uh, record, and that was previously held by um, the recent Pokemon movie. Now, Sonic is, of course, performing very strongly at the box office, um, but it also has a huge hit with audiences. It earned an A on CinemaScore and also a 95% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The opening weekend crowds, uh, actually, it's kind of interesting to read these statistics where it was made up of 50%, uh, 56% males and 70% of the audience going to the movie were under the age of 25 years old. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey dropped to second place with $17 million coming in while also dropping its name. Um, not sure if you heard, but Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey officially changed her name over the week. It was originally released as Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Newcomers also are Fantasy Island and The Photograph. Both of them came in third and fourth spot and uh, getting about $12 million each. Bad Boys for Life round out the top five there. The other new films this past weekend uh, uh, was the first film under Disney's rebranded Searchlight Pictures, which was Fox Searchlight Pictures. Uh, And that was the Julia Louise Dreyfus and uh, Will Ferrell dramedy, if you will, uh, drama comedy called Downhill. Um, That seemed to fail to impress anybody and earned about four point six million and uh, came in about 10th place overall on uh, the this past weekend now elsewhere on that chart is parasite it just came off of its huge win at the oscars and uh, it actually had an expansion of its theaters when um it uh, is now in more than 2,000 locations domestically here in the u.s and uh, so that saw an impressive bump, and it brought its estimated total to $5.5 million over the weekend. And that actually, uh, it is now standing, um, its domestic pushes at about $45 million, which is making it the fourth largest foreign language film ever released domestically. 
In other news, Disney fans are kind of up in arms. Uh, they are upset about the new rating of the newest live-action remake. It's Mulan. Mulan has received a PG-13 rating, making it the very first live-action remake to get that rating. In other news, the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die, the last one to star Daniel Craig, is getting ready for its big send-off as the premiere is coming up in April. But uh, some party plans are getting canceled, uh, especially in the uh, the rich Chinese market. The studio announced that they are canceling the Beijing premiere as well as promotional promotional tour with all the talent due to the uh, co uh, coronavirus outbreak. So that was scheduled to happen in early April. Now, large films do, uh, they typically do these premieres and promotional tours to make sure that each international market is, uh, is well canvassed. And uh, they still do that. And so it's kind of, uh, it's interesting to see what sort of effect this is going to have on the uh, China box office market, which has become so important to Hollywood films uh, in, in recent years. Um, so just it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens here as this uh, news from China all breaks out. And bringing things a little closer to home here on the Central Coast, as well as going to a galaxy far, far away, Disney Plus is going to be streaming their final season of uh, the popular animated series Star Wars The Clone Wars. And that's going to be on Disney Plus only, which... Uh, the the series actually features a local Santa Barbara native, James Arnold Taylor, and he voices the uh, the legendary character of Obi Wan Kenobi. So you can find him in uh, the Star Wars: The Clone Wars as well as Star Wars Rebels. And uh, everyone seems to really have a a, a very fond uh, following of what the Star Wars animated show is doing. So definitely check that out on Disney Plus. And with movie reviews, I just want to talk a quick little uh, bit about this little film I saw over the weekend. Of course, there were lots of buzz coming out about Sonic the Hedgehog, so I took my daughter. We went to go see it. Um, and I, I got to say, the movie actually exceeded my expectations. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, for me, some of the best parts were watching Jim Carrey just be Jim Carrey again, like from uh, the... Ace Ventura or The Mask or, you know, The Liar Liar Days. Uh, so it was great to see him return in the role that, you know, basically only Jim Carrey can do. But the uh, the film I, I felt was, it was filled with a lot of heart, a lot of humor and um, charm. I mean, it, it was, it, it's a crowd pleaser for sure. And definitely one that younger crowds will love. Um, so just go into it knowing that you're going to have a fun movie and uh, you're, you're bound to have fun along with it. So I, for me, I, I'll rate it four, and a, four out of five stars. That, it was definitely a lot of fun. And now we're going to be talking about filmmaking and movies as we sit down with our local filmmaker and newest member of the board, Kyle Plummer. And we are now here with Kyle Plummer, our newest addition to the Central Coast Film Society board. Kyle, welcome. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much. And uh, it is a thrill and an honor to have you here with us. So um, basically, let's just get started and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brings you here. Uh, I was raised on the Central Coast. I live in Cambria. Um, been here my whole life. And ever since I was about four or five, I knew that like I wanted to go into film. I loved movies yeah. and my family was a big movie family and I wrote and directed my first short film when I was 
Eleven, and it was an it was an Indiana Jones movie, <laughs> and it was yep. it was a lot of fun. Well, Raiders is my ab- absolute all time favorite movie. I the, mean, the month that we filmed that short film, I think I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark every single night <laughs> nice. because I would watch it and be like, "Oh, I'm getting more ideas on what we can do for the next scene or whatever." But yeah, I have that movie like ingrained in my head, line for line. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, well, I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's awesome. So then you uh, you went to Cambria and you went to film school or what, what, yeah, what happened? Well, I, um, kind of by accident, the school I went to, um, <laughs> I, in high school made a, uh, documentary called tour of honor and it was about the uh, honor flight, which they fly yeah. the veterans out to DC. I went on an honor flight and filmed the whole wow. thing with my dad and we produced an hour long documentary about one of these flights and it got into a film festival, an all documentary film festival in Utah. And we were like, well, we've never been to Utah before, so let's go out to this festival. Why not? And when we were there, it turns out it was on, the festival was hosted on the campus of this university in southern Utah, in St. George, Utah. And it was Dixie State University, and they had a film program, and the guy who ran the film program and ran the festival was a former president of NFL Films, and uh, I mean, Emmy Award winning, and uh, kind of a big deal. And he came up to me, and he's like, so we all thought you were an adult filmmaker submitting your film. We didn't realize you were in high school. And he then basically invited me. He said, I would love to recruit you to our film program and, and such. And we took a tour and everything. And so I just made my decision after a lot of different factors came up that, like, yeah, that's where I want to go. And so, yeah, I had spent four years there in St. George, Utah. Went to school at Dixie State University and graduated last year. Wow. And now I'm back here on the Central Coast ready to grow my uh, independent video production business. That's uh, awesome. So what, what are you doing here now back back home? So up in Cambria, you're, you're helping out with the Cambria Film Festival? Too? Yeah, we just had the Cambria Film Festival. That happened last weekend. Nice. Um, I jumped on the board of that last year. Um, and it's, it's honestly because they wanted my input after being involved with the San Luis Obispo Film Festival for so many years. Right. Because they knew they didn't want to step on, you know, their toes and they wanted to do their own thing, but they, but they wanted some inspiration as far as on an operational side, maybe some ideas on how to handle crowds and guests and right. VIPs and stuff like that. Boy, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> 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 because, you know, we are, uh, of course, working on our film festival that's going right. to be coming up later right. this year. Uh, likewise, we're not wanting to step on any toes, but, uh, you know, um, I, I think we, we, we are cutting out a uh, special niche and all that too. Um, because I, you know, and we can talk about this too, is just going into film festivals and like, uh, you know, I'm an independent filmmaker, you're an independent filmmaker. We, you know, going to the festivals, um, you know, even just locally here at, uh, the Santa Barbara film festival, when you're, when you're got a, a film there and you're actually on site at the, at the festival, the, to me, it was very much like you have to know who to talk to. You have to know how to walk and, and you have to know what movie to watch and what movie to not like. And you had to like, there was like a subtext to it that like mm-hmm. you had to know all this stuff. And for me, it, it wasn't relaxing. I didn't make any connections. I, it was like, it was all like pre-scripted before we got there. And then conversely, I went to a, a festival that, um, 
uh, it was out in Fredericksburg, Texas, Hill Country Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And I could let my hair down there. Like I made so many good friends there and, and networking opportunities. And I think that's something that we are really trying to focus on with this festival as well is just our vision is, is really wanting it to be something for the filmmakers, just something that the filmmakers can go and enjoy and have fun. But of course, be incredibly inspiring to students as well. Yeah, because absolutely. We we want to help cultivate that talent that's here. It's it's absolutely. crazy, um, and, and yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to have you uh, on board here. Um, so tell me about. Uh, let's see. So your your favorite movie is Indiana Jones. Well, my favorite. Well, well, oh yeah. Okay, let's go there. <laughs> when I was twelve, it was my favorite movie. It's still up there. It's a legendary movie. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, whew. I it, it kind of it's one of those that kind of changes every yeah. month. All right, give me a top three. Uh, I will say okay. I have like I have a different. <laughs> I have different between favorite. Okay. And uh, movies that I think are objectively great. Okay. Um, I actually have kind of the similar list. I I I will say I think some of my. Top three uh, favorite. I love Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's one of my all-time favorite <laughs> right, nice, movies. Nice. Um, I also love Zodiac. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I'm a big David Fincher fan, but out of his whole filmography, I feel like that's an underrated one. Like everybody talks about Fight Club. Everybody talks about you mm. know the Social Network, but like not a lot of people talk about Zodiac, and I really love that cool. movie. Yeah. Um, and oof, there are just so many. <laughs> this last year, 2019, was an awesome year for movies mm. and i have to say i think my top three favorites were i mean i loved 1917 i thought that was a epic movie yeah um i was floored by uh uncut gems that was wow. uh, yeah. and a panic attack inside <laughs> 90 in 90 minutes of a movie like uh-huh. intense and um and jojo rabbit man that one that one hit hard like i right. did not expect that to be that emotional <laughs> right yeah when you watch those trailers it's like what what am i watching here it's and like then whimsical funny and then the next thing you know you're in the theater you're like i want to cry now <laughs> <laughs> right right very cool so um what kind of uh, so what filmmakers did you look up to the most you know when you're growing up what what kind of you want to help what inspired your style let's put it that way um i mean, like i mentioned fincher i'm yeah. I, since so i was a teenager I was a huge Fincher fan. Cool. My dad showed me Fight Club, and I was like, "That changed my life." You know, stereotypical. We're not supposed story. to talk about Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I I listen to, in a way, a lot of voices cinematically. I I listen to, to the my... voices too. It's, <laughs> it's okay. I try to keep my palate uh, wide open, but I'd have to say, recently, uh, big influences have been. Um, like people that I really appreciate their work, Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, David Fincher again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's one more that I was just having this conversation with my brother the other day, and, and now I can't now I can't remember. Um, I, as a teenager, I was a big Nolan fan. I mean, okay, yeah. Dark Knight, Inception, yeah, sure, amazing. Yeah. Um, so when uh, no more documentaries then, no more World War II docs. Mm. I mean, how'd you get landed on that one? I'm not, you know, I'm not against doing another one. The one thing is that during high school, I, I started off because I did, uh, there was a competition through the Department of Defense. They mm. said, high school filmmakers, make a five-minute video about the Korean War. It's the 60th anniversary of the Korean War. Mm. We want to commemorate and document it, and winners will be put into our archives permanently. Oh, nice. So I rounded up. I put a call out through the American Legion. And I contacted about 13 veterans that lived in Cambria. Yeah. 
and um, both people who had served there in country and people who just served during the time period. And I ended up having so much material that I produced three five-minute videos and submitted all three. And one of them about the service members who actually were there in Korea. And they have some, um, I mean, some stories that will chill you to your bone. Um, That one actually got accepted and is now in the Department of Defense as a record of the 60th anniversary. That's fantastic. So I'm really proud of that. Congrats, yeah. Their stories are, you know, now there forever for people to go and, and watch and listen to. But that kind of got me in with that community of of these veterans that live here locally. And I started doing more shorts. There were a couple other stories that I really wanted to pursue. In particular, this one guy who he was a, um, I mean, career, lifetime military, uh, was uh, there for like the Watts riots, Hmm. um, experienced, I mean, so many different parts of history that it's just pretty amazing. And then I went on to do... The last short I did was about a guy who he was a soldier during the time that they were doing nuclear testing in Nevada. Wow. And he used to go and design the little uh, towns and stuff that they would nuke. You mean in Indiana Jones and the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But he tells us one story that, you know, how they weren't really protected from the nuclear blasts. (laughs) They didn't know. They would go in these trenches. Uh And he said, he literally, they told you to put your hands over your eyes. Mm -hmm. And he did. But when the bomb went off, he saw an x-ray. He saw his bones. Really? His hand. And he told a story about when he was And little, his eyelids were closed. He broke his uh, hand when he was a kid. And uh-huh. when later, when that bomb went off and he saw his x-ray, he saw where the bone had fused back together. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's insane. And uh, so just through all those little shorts that we did, we got in with the American Legion communities around here. And then the idea of the honor flight came up because they really started to push the, the honor flight here in the Central Coast. Yeah. Because we were losing a lot of the guys here. Sure. They're getting older. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a unique opportunity. And I I haven't done one since in the military community, but my younger brother, Carlos, he did one about a guy, when I was off at school, he did one about a guy named Harold Bauer. And Harold Bauer was born in Germany on U.S. territory at the mm-hmm. embassy. Um, so he's technically a U.S. citizen, right. but born in Germany. And he was raised in Germany. And when World War II broke out, he was conscripted to the German Air Force. Hmm. Got shot down by U.S. Uh, forces, landed in U.S. territory during the war, and they basically took him as a POW, but then he said, I'm a, technically a U.S. citizen. You can let me go, <laughs> Like, kind of like gave that argument. Right. They looked him up, in there, and he was sure enough, he was there as a U.S. citizen, so they let him go. And then he went and moved wow. to America, where then he joined the U.S. Air Force, and in the Korean War, flew for the U.S. Air Force against wow. the North Koreans. That's crazy. So that's that was quite a story. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, there's so many wonderful stories, too. And, you know, as these guys are getting older, um, I know that there's been a lot of documentaries that are coming up because we're going to lose a lot of firsthand yeah, accounts. exactly. I mean, it's going to be gone forever. Right. Um, I, I know when, uh, this was a long time ago when I was wanting to make films, I, I never wanted to make a movie that was contemporary. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to do something that was in today's world or timeline or reality Mm -hmm. because I want, I'm, I'm kind of an escapism movie guy. Like I, I want to be transported somewhere. I don't want to have to think about things that are going on today. You know, like that's boring. (laughs) You know, I want to, I want to, I want to go somewhere. And, um, so I made a, uh, it it was a world war two film and it was, 
based on a Twilight Zone episode that was actually set in the Civil War, but I moved it up to World War II. Oh, that's cool. And uh, it, it was um, it was this movie, and, and I was like, okay, but how do I get World War II stuff? I want it to look good. Right. You know, and for a, a guy that's going to a, a community college, you know, <laughs> you know, eat, eating ramen uh, like, like there's yeah. no tomorrow, um, I had no budget for that. Right. And so I, I kind of did some research, and I'm like, well, who's got uniforms that I can use? Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across World War II reenacting groups. Oh, And wow. uh, I joined. And I joined them, and I, and I started talking to them, and I'm like, hey, guys, would you happen to want to be in a movie? And, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, it worked. And I, yeah. I, I got these guys to come out in full gear, full you know, weapons and ammo. And wow. uh, one guy brought his Jeep. And, That's I mean, crazy. And it was, it was amazing <laughs> production value. It was <laughs> like, I'm even looking at it, and I'm like, you know, I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And I had all these things like rolling in and right. I was just like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> um, but, but it's funny because when you say that, I, I think about when I went there, uh, and, and actually did like reenactments with these guys mm-hmm. and I learned how to drill and how, you know, how they carried themselves. Um, the veterans were actually there and I actually did, uh, I, I joined up with 101st airborne oh, wow. and, um, there was a couple of veterans that lived here in California mm-hmm. and, and, and they came and, and of course, you know, this is, they were immortalized in band of brothers right. and, um, there were guys there that were in band of brothers. Wow. Th- those guys, Don Malarkey, uh, came up and, and, you know, all these things and started talking to them and just these stories that they would tell. And, and I don't know if it was the fact that we were, you know, when you do these reenactments for those of you guys don't know, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. It's, it's true. Um, we, we go to, uh, we went to camp Roberts just up there, just past, uh, past Robles right. and we'd camp out in the barracks and we would do it full tilt, you know, like we were in the forties, mm-hmm. we would sleep in the, in the barracks in the bunks and you know, everything looked like we were in the forties. We were in uniform the whole time. Right. And the, um, uh, the guys, the the veterans would come and they would stay in the officers' quarters because, of course, you know, they, they had special little rooms. <laughs> um, but they would come out and we would we would just kind of gather around and ask them questions and talk to them and yeah. you know and we just BS back and forth. But uh, I don't know if it was the fact that we just look like their comrades or something, but I could tell that they were telling us stories that I know they weren't telling their wives. Right. Right. Like it, it was, there's things that were just like... Stories they haven't told in years and years, decades. Ever, yeah. ever. And and you can just see how they're they're so gripped by it. And, and I think the more that we try to talk to them about it, I mean, because it, it is literally going to be lost. Another quick story about it, because I love history um, in, in World War II, especially uh, there's an uncle of mine who was in the war, mm-hmm. and he, uh, he fought through Italy and went up uh, that way and... Um, he uh, he had a camera with him when when he went, and they he was a sergeant, and they said to him, they said, you know, if you ever get captured, you know, and the Germans look through your bags and they see that you have a camera, they're they're gonna kill you right there on the spot because wow. they think you're a spy, oh, and wow. and you're and he he just his response was, well, I'm already dead, so <laughs> might as well just document it, and uh, but he made it back, and he made it back with wow. these amazing photos, and so we have this whole album and stories that he typed up afterwards wow. about his his whole thing and, and and some of those photos are just unbelievable so um definitely there's a lot of material out there That's so i I definitely. I definitely inspire uh, anybody that wants to do documentaries uh, on that because 
these heroes went through hell. Yeah. And uh, you have they, a grandpa, someone who went through the war. Yeah. Grab your camera, film it. Please do. Yeah. I mean, you know, those those are uh, what you're doing as documentarians. I mean, you're documenting it forever, right. essentially. Right. And, and those stories will keep being told. And uh, I think that's it, it's very important to tell those kinds of stories. Yeah. Um, conversely, I also think it's really fun to make popcorn movies. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, so that's why I said Raiders of the Lost Ark is my all-time favorite film to watch. It's great. I will sit down and watch that movie from start to end, no problem. And, yeah. and even though I've seen it, Millions you know, times. my Blu-ray is is worn down. My digital copy is worn down. Yeah. Like, that's what's going on here. Like, it, it's that bad. The file's just like, yeah, really yeah, doing this like, again? Yeah, yeah, you know, Netflix pops up and like, you sure you want to watch this again? <laughs> <laughs> you loser. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and and then I also will say that, um, but I don't think it's one of the best films made. I also think that like Schindler's List oh, yeah, absolutely. Is, is technically as a craft film, just, you know, the from shooting on black and white and that mm-hmm. choice and just everything, like that's amazing, but it is such a hard movie to watch. Yeah, definitely. It, but it, it, is, it is also one of my all-time favorites. I'll tell you a movie that I just watched... You know, it's one that you you watch and have to watch in film school. Mm-hmm. But then I recently rewatched it as just for pure entertainment value. Was um, have you ever seen City of God? Yes. Um, yes. Talk about a movie that that is a film school it's required. A, it's movie. a hard movie, but man, yeah. it's such as from a filmmaking perspective. And it's you such watched like it again for entertainment, <laughs> just because I was so. I, it had been like four or five years since I'd seen yeah. it, so I was yeah. like, I, I and my parents hadn't watched it, and so I was like, well, we're a big movie family. We watch movies every single night. Yeah. And I was like, well, you guys should better check this movie out. It's worth at least one watch, and we did. And I I forgot just how much of a filmmaking like burst of just pure filmmaking joy it is as far as to watch that amount of craft and yeah. just skill and recently that director went on and did uh the two popes which was oh. one of my favorite yeah, movies yeah, from yeah. last year right so right. it's always fun to watch you know these these brilliant talents just kind of continue to emerge and grow and and yeah and you know and like i'm trying to think in, in film school we watched i mean a lot of the the what we could call classics now. I mean, I remember just in in film school pulling my eyebrows out, just think watching Doctor Shivago, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, this is seriously like what's going on here. But that being said, it is a masterfully done film. Right when you when you are not a nineteen year old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. snot nosed kid that's going, what am I watching here? Well, I mean, and, one movie I really do not like, but I can appreciate for it. That it's is Raging Bull. I do yeah. not like Raging Bull whatsoever, but I can appreciate there's, its artistic value. Well, exactly. There's a lot of movies I think that are like that, and I mean, even for me, there's um, you know, there's directors with certain styles. Yeah. <laughs> let's call it that. Uh, that does not float my boat. It right. is not my style. Absolutely. However. I appreciate what they're doing with that style. Oh, yeah, I appreciate their artwork and and their perspective on it. It is not my cup of tea. No, but, <laughs> but I, I respect the hell out of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It, so when when going into film school and and you're watching these movies and you're thinking about okay, well, why the hell is the teacher showing me this? Mm-hmm. Like this is not what I want to do. Like I even you know for me. I wanted to make, you know, those Raider of the Lost Ark movies. I mm-hmm. want to make Jurassic Park. I want to make, you know, the big blockbuster, like, popcorn movies. Right. But when you're in film school, you're supposed to kind of do your own thing and explore and, and mm-hmm. do your, you know, blossom as a, the art student and, and experiment, which is all well and great, but that's not what I wanted to do. Right. And so, but it, it's, when you're watching these movies, 
it does influence you. So what movie do you think, like, what movie do you think if a kid is wanting to get into film school or into filmmaking, Mm -hmm. what do you think would be one of the first movies that you would want to show them Hey, watch this to to kind of start learning the craft and learn kind of what is being done in the movie and just take note of everything. I mean, well, honestly, The Dark Knight. Yeah, uh, because it's a perfect like entry point of saying, "Here, here's a big popcorn summer movie." Mm-hmm. But that is, it's a movie that is so perfectly constructed. I've read the script, I've analyzed it, I've broken it down, I'm doing my own you know script <laughs> breakdowns of yeah. it. It really is amazing how they that the the script for that movie is a perfectly constructed arc. Like there are tons of great screenplays out there. I'm not you know knocking anybody yeah. else, but this screenplay in particular speaks to me as far as foreshadowing, laying groundwork. Within the first 15 minutes, there are so many subliminal clues already laid that when you're watching it the first time, you don't think anything of it. It just comes across as just normal character dialogue, just banter, whatever. Um, whereas in a, in, in a lesser movie, it would just be that. But in this movie, every single thing then pays off somehow in the end. Yeah. And all these moving parts go on from the beginning. And it just blows my mind the amount of detail and thought and care. As a young film student, there is so much you can learn just from that movie alone. Uh, another one that... So, ironically, when I went off to film school, I had already seen a lot of the traditional film school movies because yeah. my dad and my parents, they Citizen raised me Kane. on a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah, we when I was younger, actually, my my dad had seen Citizen Kane a long time ago, but like he had forgotten about it. So we said, "Well, we're gonna sit down and watch it." We watched everything. We did The Godfather. We did yeah. Citizen Kane. We did. Um, but I I have to say one of one of my favorites that I still enjoy to this day is uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance oh, Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie is, and as far as writing is concerned, mm-hmm. that's a movie I'm always like, if you want to be a writer, watch this movie because. Brilliant. Yeah, 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 for sure. I also think, you know, one of the things that I I started to take was uh, a history of film, world cinema. Right. And I I honestly think that that was important and eye-opening because you learn about the very first you know, films that were just literally just a hand crank of the train arriving at the station or people leaving the factory. Um, But then you start to learn, well, then they added things to it. I mean, you started with the bare basic thing of what's happening on screen. Right. And then through time, it's just evolved into, you know, Avengers Endgame. Exactly. Uh, But but it's it's this constant progression and learning of different techniques and and, um, it's technology is constantly moving. I, uh, our, our last podcast we had, um, it was uh, David Harburger, and we he was a, a miniature photographer, and he worked on the Lord of the Rings oh, wow. series. And he did some of the pictures. And, and I said, you know, I remember when Lord of the Rings came out, you know, I learned so much more from watching those DVDs, yeah, yeah. those extended editions. Like, That's I, film school in a box right there. Seriously. <laughs> invest in that, kids, when because was, that is seriously... When I was 12 years old, that's what I did with my weekends, was I watched that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, what is some of your favorite movies that have been filmed in this area? Like in, in Cambria. Well, in yeah. Cambria. So it's not one of my favorite movies because I actually, well, they filmed Arachnophobia in Oh, come on. Cambria. That's everybody's favorite movie. I have big time arachnophobia. <laughs> so it worked for you then. Yeah. So How do you sleep up there? I've watched, like, I've watched it twice and I'm like, never again. Because I watched it once when I was young. My parents were like, look, it's our house. Our, ha- our house is actually in the movie. Nice. Uh, the scene where um, 
the the couples watching Wheel of Fortune and the spiders and the popcorn. That's my house. That's your house. <laughs> wow. The, the same stove is in the kitchen. So can we come over and watch the movie? Uh, that would kind of <laughs> don't, the, no popcorn. The though. only other time I watched it was they actually did a local screening in Cambria where they actually had the spider wrangler who was in charge of all the spiders nice. on set. He came and gave a talk, which was actually really cool. He explained that in the movie, when whenever the spiders got stepped on, they really did get stepped on, but none of them got killed because they were special spiders from a certain place in the world where they live under fallen trees so they are have evolved to just completely go flat and be crushed and wow. still survive the pancake spider yeah exactly <laughs> so they did all these stunts with real spiders getting stepped on books crushing them whatever huh. but they really got stepped on so you would see them <laughs> crawl and then a foot would come and then they would know to just go flat and that's he explained crazy. how they had traps whenever they had a spider or 30 or 40 spiders crawling across a wall. They had traps set on one side off camera and a trap set on the other side and they would open up the traps and all the spiders would crawl across screen and then go into the other traps. Wow. And every single one of the spiders they had was accounted for at the end of production. So they didn't leave any behind. Wow. <laughs> what were there others that were added to them? No, <laughs> no all, every, every spider in that's, there is that's real. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I think the only, the big one that's like in the basement is the animatronic spider. That's the only right. difference. Which uh, uh, I think it was Jamie from Mythbusters worked on that. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, let's see, what other movies are up there? One of my favorites is, of course, Commando. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shot there, right, at uh, San Simeon Port. That's right. That's right. Uh, that, that uh, you know, and what... Well, and we've got Sideways and Solving. we got Sideways up there, yeah. I yeah. do like that movie. Um, there were Sideways, and then the, the there was the Netflix Paddleton just shot... Uh, movie down there. Paddleton did. Paddleton was all really? solving in San Inez and Lompoc. Oh wait, you know I do remember. We yeah okay. Yep yeah. So that was all down there. Um, That's right. Yeah. So there was that, and then of course uh, Cambria area. So Morro Bay is uh, uh, Finding Dory. You know yeah. the jewel of. Yeah. Morro Bay, California. That was a big surprise that when was, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty fun to to see that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of weird connections. It's like <clears throat> you know, if Pixar is making a movie about the Central Coast, yeah. you know, even um, if you look at the movie, uh, what was the short on there? Uh, Piper with the little sandpipers when you're they're running up and down on the coast. It's like I when oh, I yeah, when, yeah, when, yeah. when I watch that short animated film, I'm going, okay, wait, but that's kelp. And then there's the rolling hills with the oak trees. I'm like, that that's, looks that's familiar. Here. That's here. <laughs> you can't you can't try and fool us. That's yeah. you know, that's not the East Coast. I know the <laughs> pic, the I mean, Pixar is not too far up north and I know right. that they yeah. are more than likely familiar with this whole area. Yes. Yeah. There's a couple of Pixar connections I think down in this area. So yeah, hopefully we can right. uh, hopefully we can tap into that here real soon yeah um all right well i mean kyle this has been awesome yeah i just want to say thank you so much for uh coming down and and uh i'm really looking forward to it what are yeah. you looking forward to for central coast film society i don't know a, a lot i'm hoping that it can grow and you know i'm we're still new um, we st- yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, we still got that new smell but uh i i'm looking forward to you know because i'm in I'm in post-production right now on a feature, um, and it's, you know, possibly a nice opportunity to say, to build this community and say, you know, hey, does anybody want to take a look at this? Give me feedback, you know? Yeah. I'd love to build that kind of a community here for that, which... For sure. Yeah. It's, and it's something that I think as filmmakers and just artists in general is to be able to communicate openly and freely about, right. you know, each right. other's work. And, you know, I, you need to be able to say, hey, this sucks without yeah. saying, hey, this sucks, yeah. you know? Exactly. 
exactly. But like, as as I'm working on this, I need someone to tell me if something sucks. Like, yeah, well, you need to be honest. But you, you, there's there's a what's the word tact? Yeah, there needs no, there to, is, there is. But no, it's it's been a quite a process. It's my first feature, so yeah. it was my my senior capstone film at the university, and now I've taken it, and I'm actually working with a local composer. He lives in uh, nice. in AG Oceano area. Oh, very cool. Um, and we're knee deep in the middle of the score. I think we've scored about half of the movie, and so we got the the whole finale. Now Are you guys do? Chapter. Is it live or is it all digital? No, it's it's digital, but we yeah. are considering uh, doing one section of it with like a live quartet and nice. recording that. But that's that's down the road. We'll figure that out. But. I did that. I actually I, I did a feature film. Uh, I did it for my my uh, it was my final editing advanced editing class. Oh man! And uh, I was like, yeah, I can put together a feature film. Oh wait, now I have to make one. Uh, and but we, I actually and, and I got a. a there was a composer in Michigan State University, mm-hmm. and he actually got the whole orchestra up oh, there awesome. to do it that's really as awesome. part of their class. And then he just emailed it to me, and I'm like, "That's amazing! Like, <laughs> that's really oh my great. god! <laughs> like, th- so there's things like that, kids, that you can do for free. Absolutely. Literally, I did if you not have the right connections. If you have the right connections, which is hopefully what we are going to be doing here with exactly. the Such Coast Film Society. Exactly. So, Kyle. Thank you so much. I'm uh, proud to have you here, uh, and we're looking forward to doing a whole lot more in the near future. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Kyle. And finally, we have a few things that we're going to be coming up here for our Central Coast Film Society events. And uh, coming up on March 1st is, of course, our filmmaker and fans meet up. And that's going to be at the Central Coast Brewing in San Luis Obispo. This is an event for all ages to just come and enjoy and talk about movies. So we do encourage students and families to all come and celebrate cinema together. And uh, also be on the lookout for new screenings. Um, They will be announced soon. Uh, I I can't actually specifically say what it is right now. But uh, at the the time of this recording, I can't say. But if you you like our Facebook page, if you are up to date with us, you'll you'll be hearing it very soon. Probably um, as I'm recording this, it's probably going to be like tomorrow. So very soon. So check our Facebook page and our website for all those screening details. And that's a wrap on this edition of Take 18. This has been a production of the Central Coast Film Society. We are a 501c3 organization. Now, of course, we can't make this show or anything that we do possible without, of course, your generous support. So please help make a difference and consider making a donation, uh, purchasing a membership or just attending one of our events. Uh, Of course, listening to the show is another great way to help us out. Visit our website, centralcoastfilmsociety.org, for more information, sign up for a newsletter, or just follow us on social media. And, of course, I want to thank you for listening all the way to the end here. Take 18 is, um, we're really getting some buzz out there and five episodes in. So I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who's listened to us. Uh, We are actually could probably have some really big names in Hollywood that uh, we'll hopefully have interviewed here very soon. So you definitely want to make sure that you're subscribing and uh, share with everyone. So thank you again for all of your support. And uh, that's a take. 